Hey guys, Abel here back with another video. In today's video, once again, I will be talking about body fat percentage, um, ideal body fat, staying too lean, staying too fat, all of that good stuff. Uh, maybe I'm overdoing it at this point and I should be sh shifting topics, but I mean, God damn it, as long as I keep getting so many nice views as I've been getting so far, I'm gonna keep doing them. I'm not crazy. Uh, but all jokes aside, I have a couple more things that I feel like I should be still addressing. So I'm going to cover these few things that are left. And then I swear I'm going to be shifting gears and uh, talk about something else such as training. You know, I've been getting a lot of emails and DMs from people with whom my message resonated. They understand that, okay, accepting reasonable body fat percentages is a good thing. But then they are trying to be very methodical and mechanic about it. They will ask me things like, okay, so right now I'm at 25% body fat. I think that's higher than where I should be at for the long term. So should I now do a three or four month long cut, get down to 15% body fat and maintain that? Or right now I'm at 200 pounds at 22% body fat. Roughly, I did a DEXA, that's what it said at least. What do you think is my ideal body weight? Do you think I will be good to go at 185 or what do you think? And while all of these questions are reasonable, I think what they don't realize is that none of these things are actually a way to really find what's ideal for you. Because I do think about the fact that people vary, you know, your genetics might dictate that your ideal body fat percentage will be between 10 and 8% body fat, or maybe it will be 10 and 12%, but for other people, it could be between 16 and 22% body fat and anything in between that could be really good for you. And where you choose to maintain might be just dictated by your preferences. People do vary. So that's one thing to keep in mind, but also, if you have a predetermined body fat percentage in mind that that's what's going to be ideal for you and then you diet down there, you're not actually trying to find anything that's ideal. You basically just decided on something in advance and then you're artificially making yourself go there and then just sort of hoping that indeed that's where you will be feeling your best. While that's a workable way of doing it and it can work, personally, I think there is a better way and that's what I actually want to share with you in this video. Before I do that, I have to emphasize that this is a great strategy, but I don't think that this is a mandatory strategy for everybody. I don't think that all of you watching this have to go through this. I think there are a lot of you who have really healthy and just good mindsets about the whole fitness game. You haven't burnt yourself out with the whole cut and bulk game and the traditional cut and bulk cycles can work perfectly well for you. If this is something that you had success with up until now, you feel good mentally and you don't feel burnt out and just overburdened by the whole thing, like you're actually sick of this amazing fitness game that you fell in love with some time ago, then I think you can keep doing the same thing, you know, cut down to 10% body fat, then slowly bulk up to, I don't know, 16, 17% body fat, rinse, repeat, and do this until you're blue in the face or until your arms are blue because they have swollen up so much. So with that, let me get into the strategies that I think you should use to find and naturally gravitate towards your ideal body fat percentage. Basically, this is going to be my blueprint. These are the strategies that I think that if you're going to be using, I don't know exactly what body fat percentage you will end up at, but I'm very confident that you will be at a healthy, athletic, and quite reasonably good looking body fat percentage at the end of it. And not only that, but it's going to make you healthier and happier, more balanced mentally as well. It's going to benefit every aspect of your being. And I think it's not just going to be a potential weight loss journey, maybe for some of you an actual weight gain journey, but it's also going to make you a more efficient, just better operating human in life. So what is the list of strategies that I'm talking about here? Number one, 
we are not going to be tracking calories and macros. Okay, for this specifically, I think that is a non-negotiable. There is nothing wrong with calorie tracking. It is a very good way of ensuring that you're on the right track when you're cutting or you're bulking. Calorie tracking is great, but for this purpose, it's just not going to work. Because as soon as you track calories, you introduce a whole bunch of arbitrariness into the equation and also just a lot of personal biases that we just can't help having. As soon as a guy that is, let's say, 180 pounds or heavier or even 175 pounds and heavier is seeing something like 2,400 calories, basically anything under 2,500 calories, they will be thinking, man, this is too little. Like, this is not something I can eat regularly. I mean, that, that's insane. I'm under eating. I'm going to lose muscle. I'm going to suppress my metabolism. Then I should do a reverse diet. No, it's just going to mess with your head. So for that reason, I really don't think that calorie tracking can be a part of this. If you want to go somewhere purposefully, like travel from A to B consciously and with a direction, which is what you would do if you are cutting to be 10% body fat or cutting to be 170 pounds, then calorie tracking is great. If you want to gravitate somewhere, so naturally arrive to a certain point, not really knowing where that point exactly is, then I think calorie tracking cannot be a part of this. The same applies for macros, of course, although protein you can track and I really don't think that's an issue. You really only need to hit a protein minimum, meaning at least a certain amount you need to achieve every day with your intake and you can eat more than that. With such things, I don't think this is going to influence you much in any way, really. The optimum protein minimum is really not that crazy much. For most people, it's going to be between, you know, 120 and let's say 200 grams of protein at most. You need to hit that and it's not that crazy hard. You're just running a loose telly of it in your head. That's fine. The second thing is you're going to be eating a diet rich in fruits and veggies. Okay, and by that, basically, I just mean that I think you should be having them at every meal. Every meal should have some sort of a fiber source and that can come from either fruits or veggies or both. But obviously this is something that your diet should be very rich in. You should be eating a nutritious diet and I would say that in every meal, they should occupy at least a third of your plate, maybe even half of your plate. You should have that as kind of a core skeleton component of your diet and that should always be the case. Even if you go out in a restaurant, you should have that with your meals probably there are going to be times when it's not going to make a huge difference. But I think if this is something that you're paying close attention to, so not just kind of in a bullshit way that like, okay, like I'm going to eat like a cheeseburger and like a bunch of chicken fingers, but I'm going to put like one strand of lettuce on my plate, but I'm going to make sure that like there is a considerable portion of veggies and or fruits on my plate. If that is something that you pay close attention to at all times, that's going to make a big difference. Right after that, I would mention that I recommend that you eat three or four meals a day. I think that's where most people should start. The only exceptions to that, I would say, are people who have experimented for a very long time with different meal frequencies and they just know from experience that the best diet satisfaction and appetite control for them comes at two meals a day or five meals a day or what have you. If you really know that that is what works the best for you and you can be objective about it, it's not the case that like you heard it from someone that five meals is the real thing and you never tried anything else, then I'm fine with you rolling with that. But otherwise, I think the best starting point is three or four meals a day. It's just so convenient. It's kind of the perfect balance between not eating so frequently that your meals won't be large enough and satisfying enough but also not going too long without food so that you become too food focused just because of that. And obviously any of those outcomes that you're avoiding with this would be basically an artificial 
body fat set point, body fat settling point enhancing factor in your diet, which you kind of want to avoid. Since I just mentioned fruits and veggies, I will also say your diet should be rich in lean and moderately fatty or moderately lean protein sources. That is kind of a no-brainer. I recommend that you have a couple of sources that you enjoy the most and what that gives you the most satisfaction. For me, it's a lot of dairy products. I love moderately lean or lean dairy sources. Those are great. It's a great way to get in my protein. And also I'm getting most of my fats from these sources. So for you, that might be seafood or some meat products, you know, your diet should be rich in those. There are a couple of items here that I would sort of include in the treat category or the luxury calories category. Those would be things like bacon, cheeses, certain processed meats. I will touch on them in a second. Those are things that you can include, but just understand that those really shouldn't be a staple in your diet. Like a meal shouldn't be composed of like two items and one of them is one of these kind of treats and the other one is veggies or something like that. These things should always be kind of just an addition to an otherwise complete meal. Speaking of treats and luxury calories, you know, starches, grain products like rice or, you know, additional fat sources like avocado, olive oil, things like this, they are completely okay to include in your diet, but I would just impose some very loose restrictions over them, or rather I would apply some very basic rules of thumb over them. For example, in the case of rice and similar grain products, you can include them with your meals, but for example, always make that a smaller serving than the amount of veggies that you have on your plate. So, I mean, the hell I know. So like if you have a lot of veggies on your plate, I mean, you might actually include a lot of rice on it. But the, the rule of thumb is you have to finish the veggies before you finish the rice. Let's make that a rule, okay? Odds are that you will be full enough so that you won't actually get to finish the rice in that case. And if you have a small amount of veggies, then it shouldn't be an issue. But, you know, these are things that are completely legit, but, you know, depending on the person, they can be overeaten. And while this is not about restricting yourself like crazy, I actually want you to gravitate towards your ideal body fat. We also want to eliminate artificial body fat set point increasing factors from your diet, as I mentioned earlier. So I think, for example, when you put together a plate of food for yourself, like some very basic kind of rule of thumb could be that, okay, like a half of it is going to be covered by my low or moderate starch veggie or fruit source. Okay. So like, I mean, that could be as starchy as something like a potato, as non-starchy as something like broccoli and other similar veggies then a quarter of it is going to be your protein source and then another quarter of it is going to be whatever else you want to include in that meal. That could be some extra fat or some extra starch or something like that. This is definitely not the golden rule that I shall never deviate from, but I think this is like a pretty good starting point for most people. The next thing is eat mindfully without distractions, so without surfing the internet, without watching Netflix, without listening to podcasts as much as you can, okay? I know I talked about this a lot. I know that a lot of you know that this is a good thing. It's good to actually focus on your food, enjoy your food, and not be distracted by other things because that just makes you eat more. I know that this is a hard thing to give up, so I say let's negotiate. Maybe for some of you, it's going to be an easier thing to implement. So let's say you will be eating four meals a day and all four of those are going to be eaten in a mindful way. That's amazing. For some others amongst you, it's going to be a tougher thing Then you know what? Let's make it two meals out of the four, okay? Breakfast and lunch, let's eat mindfully. Then you will have a snack in the afternoon. Maybe you will have a podcast in your ear. And then later at night when you have your dinner, okay, watch some Netflix in front of it. 
Um, we can talk about what other rules to implement if you're going to be doing that. For example, then have some extra liquids with your meal because, I mean, you will naturally just want to open your mouth and swallow more times because you're distracted and you're not noticing how full you're getting. So let's compensate in some way or have even more veggies and comparatively less starches in that meal or what have you. Like there are lots of other things to kind of make up for it. Ideally, over time, you want to gravitate towards getting into the habit of eating mindfully, like basically the easier all of this is going to be. But you know, if this is a really tough sell right away, then let's find a reasonable middle ground. Next thing is uh, socializing, eating out in restaurants and you know, bonding with other people over food and you know, even alcohol is completely fine. And I don't want you to say no to that from now on, but I want you to apply some smart calorie saving up strategies. And I intentionally say smart because I don't want you to be super, super strict about this either, or at least I don't want you to be so hardcore that it actually defeats the purpose of enjoying yourself with other people in the first place. So I don't want you to go there starved. Don't cut your calories for the three upcoming days just because you slightly overeaten in a restaurant. No, apply strategies that you can maintain in the long term and that are going to limit the damage maybe not eliminate it altogether because guess what? Yes, in restaurants, the foods have more energy density than what you would have if you prepared those same meals at home. I mean, shocker, yeah, that's what happens. And that's okay, you know, as long as you don't do it like every day for two meals, it just happens, you know, like once or twice a week or something like that. And you stay reasonable and you apply some of these smart, reasonable, pretty moderate strategies that are effective then that's going to make a big difference over time. So you could do, for example, something like this. Let's say the meal is in the evening. You would normally have two or maybe three meals beforehand at home that you prepare yourself. Have those same meals, but slightly modify the energy density. You know, make them lower fat, lower starch, higher fiber, leaner meat sources or, le or leaner protein sources. That's going to make a big difference. You know, like you can cut hundreds of calories per meal if you do this, and then you will go there with a sizable caloric buffer, maybe not, you know, 1500, but only, you know, 900 calories are going to be spared. That's still going to be significant, but at the end of it, you will actually spare more calories this way because you won't be ravenous. So you won't have the urge to just massively overeat. And so you won't fall into the trap that a lot of people fall into that. Okay. They are really happy that they saved up a thousand calories but now they're eating 2000 calories more in the restaurant because they were so hungry. And so you avoided that, but you also saved up calories. You get the best of both worlds. And so everybody's going to be happy at the end of it. The next thing is just a couple of more things on the food side of things. I don't think you need to become like a master monk, Buddhist, uh, magic man about hunger rating and knowing exactly how hungry you are. So I don't think you need to use a hunger tracking scale system. I don't think you need to ask yourself before each meal, you know, on a scale of one to 10, how hungry am I? Is it a seven? Is it an eight? Is it a six? I don't think you need to do that. Maybe eventually you can actually graduate to it as opposed to starting there because I think that's exactly one of those things that is scaring people when they are starting out with a non-tracked nutritional system or setup that they feel like, okay, I'm not tracking calories and macros, but now I have to track this other thing, which is actually a lot harder because I need to ask these very subjective questions of myself to which there is no objective answer really. So like this is so vague, so scary. I don't think you need to do that, at least initially. I think if you simply make yourself fundamentally hungry and cravey, for a moderate palatability nutritious diet. So in other words, 
if you look forward to in each meal, sitting down to salads, lean protein, you know, things that are good. I mean, they, they are tasty foods and they are satisfying, but they are not like hyper palatable, super intense taste. If you look forward to these meals, then you're on the right track. Like your hunger level will be at the appropriate level for the most part, especially if you're adhering to the other rules of thumb as well, such as eating three or four meals a day. So, you know, don't snack mindlessly even on chicken breast and broccoli. And I mean, don't eat chicken breast and broccoli, eat something more satisfying. But even on those, you know, we have to apply some common sense and we have to say reasonable just because they are, these are nutritious foods and not overly palatable. We still can't just completely go bonkers on these foods, not that most of you would want to even. But if your palate is adjusted to these foods and you look forward to eating them, then trust me, your hunger rating scale would say very favorable things even if you use them, but luckily I don't think you have to use them at least initially. I will also say that getting to the point where you're looking forward to meals like this is the biggest challenge for people that are starting out from a quite overweight position. Like if you're just coming off of a period of being very indulgent and kind of reckless, let's just say about your nutrition for a long time, and you have gotten yourself you know, quite heavy, you put on a lot of weight and you have been in a hefty surplus for a while eating very palatable, very energy dense foods, it's going to be quite tough to get to a point where you're sitting down to a bowl of salad and some lean protein and you will be like, whoa, it's so great that I get to eat this. And so I would say that for these people to kind of kickstart themselves, and this is not an official recommendation, in fact, I would say don't do this, but I would also say if you want to do this, I don't really think there's anything wrong with it, you could start out with some fasting. You know, like, like you could do like a three, you could do a week long fast. I mean, you could do this. I don't think it would hurt you. In fact, I'm sure it wouldn't hurt you unless you're, you know, actually a super lean person and you just have body dysmorphia. If that's the case, then okay, like we have to address that shit. I really hope you're not that person. But if you're overweight, you're currently in that position and you're discouraged, your palate, you know, taste receptors are completely desensitized, like nothing except for Ben and Jerry's and, you know, like cheesy crust pizza is able to excite you as a meal then yeah, I understand completely that it's hard to sit down even to an otherwise, you know, satisfying nutritious meal with, you know, like steaks, some avocados, you know, grilled veggies and things like that. I would love to eat that meal. I know exactly how it is when you look at that meal and it just, it, it's just cardboard. You cannot get the least bit excited about it and you're just wishing that you could be eating something a lot more tasty. You know, in that state, I would say starting out on this journey is going to be tough no matter what you do whether you're moderate or ridiculously aggressive it's going to be really really difficult mentally so you might as well start out really aggressive and get numerous benefits such as really fast progress like if you're fasting for a week let's say i mean man like, like you are going to be making really fast progress you might lose some lean tissue but again if you're quite overweight that's not really something you need to be worried about and you're really quickly going to reset your palate and appetite. Like at that point, when you sit down to a salad, like to a really simple meal, that's actually quite bland even, you will be so happy that you get to eat that that you would not believe. So you can give that a go. And by the way, it doesn't have to be a week. Like it could be three days, it could be two days, it could be four days, whatever. Um, it's not going to hurt you. Like much leaner people have done that successfully and they haven't gotten hurt. Like ideally, you know, like get some... You know, but, but don't do this. I'm not recommending it. I'm just saying you could do this, okay? But, but don't do this. And by the way, like a lot of you might be wondering at this point, so like, okay, fruits, veggies, lean protein, but like actually what should I be eating? So like I'm saying that grains are not that great or whatever, like I'm being vague here. I would say that what I recommend to most people, I mean, th this is what my experience dictates, is eat a modified paleo diet, basically. You know the paleo diet, like look it up, what that is. Use that, 
but also include dairy because I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Um, don't include as many like oily nuts, like, you know, almonds and uh, cashews and things like that, because those are calorie bombs. I would say not really any better than chocolate. Don't demonize things like grain products. Use artificial sweeteners. And uh, that's pretty much it. I would say if you're eating in that way, you will be good to go. And maybe instead of, you know, obsessing over things like gluten and, you know, whether our ancestor ate this and this, instead of that, obsess a bit more over energy density. Like if a food item is like over 400 calories per 100 grams, then, you know, maybe think a bit before you just include it in generous quantities in a meal. So have that extra thoughtfulness. But otherwise, I think this kind of modified paleo template is pretty good. Oh, and by the way, one last thing that I forgot to mention, I had it written down here, but for some reason I skipped over it. Don't go crazy on fat. So maybe like that's one thing. It depends on which type of modified paleo template you're following. Like some paleo templates are like really high fat. I would say don't go high fat, but don't go really low fat either. I would say you want to have some fat ideally in every meal or most meals. I mean, if you have like a post-workout protein shake or something like that, then you don't have to have fat in that. But otherwise, have fat in most of your meals. I would say... 10 grams ish is kind of like a good minimum to shoot for in most meals. Again, it doesn't have to be every single meal ever, forever from now on, but that's kind of a good starting point. And as a top limit, I would say in most meals, maybe like 30 grams of fat would be kind of like a good cap. Like maybe don't exceed that per meal. Um, and for a lot of meals, it could actually be more like 20 grams or something. So, you know, you're eating four meals a day, you know, you could have a meal in which you have 10 grams of fat, then another in which you have 20, another one in which you have 10, another one in which you have 30. So that's 30 plus 20 is 50, plus 10 is 60, plus 10 is 70. Um, then you could actually have more in one of those meals. But you sort of get my point, like these are putting some nice natural limiters and everything. As far as meal timing is concerned, I really wouldn't obsess over it. This is something that's going to be a bit of a self-experimentation process for everyone. Everyone's kind of chronotype and, you know, ideal circadian rhythm arrangement is going to be a little bit different. I would say you want to prioritize the following. You want to have good energy levels during the day. You don't want to get crazy sleepy in the middle of the day and just get lethargic and kill your productivity. You don't want to go lethargic, however, and just thinking about food, whereas you should be doing other things. Before bed, you shouldn't be messing up your sleep with a giant meal, but you should also not be starving before bed. So I think like a good rule of thumb is at least two hours of space between falling asleep or maybe actually rather going to bed and your last bite. So if you are hitting the sack, so you're actually like putting your head on the pillow at 11, maybe finish your last meal at nine. Like that's like a, a kind of a good sweet spot. You won't be start like you won't be too hungry before going to bed. You can be a bit hungry. That's not a huge issue, but you know, you don't want to be like food focused and like growling stomach when you actually want to fall asleep. And then in the morning, I would say if you do kind of like the same thing, so, you know, two hours after waking up, something in that range, you have your first meal, that's pretty good. And these things just sort of tend to work out like that for a lot of people naturally anyway. So, you know, you wake up, you're kind of groggy at first, like you slowly crawl out to the kitchen, maybe make a cup of coffee. While that's getting ready, you go brush your teeth. Although brushing your teeth right after coffee, okay, that's kind of weird. So maybe the other way around, doesn't really matter. But anyway, so you do that, you wash your face, maybe you dress up and then eventually you sit down for breakfast or maybe you don't want to eat breakfast at home because you go to work and you would rather get there early. So you get there, you put down your stuff, chat with a couple of colleagues, and then eventually you sit down for your breakfast at your desk. So at the end of it, it basically works out at two hours, but I mean, it could be one hour as well. Like these things are not gonna make or break anything. Just go with the flow. You know, I would say 
don't let yourself get hungry in the morning. Don't get yourself food focused right upon waking. I mean, what a way to start the day, but also don't force feed yourself because there is no benefit to it either. And then lastly, you know, you're not going to be tracking calories. Um, you're going to be maybe tracking protein, but you're not going to be like super, super mechanic about all of these things. You're making yourself fundamentally hungry for a healthy diet that's moderate palatability, moderate energy density, and you will just eat every meal to satisfaction. I don't want you to stop when you're like 80% full, and I also don't want you to eat yourself sick at your meals. Like, you shouldn't be so bloated that you're like falling over like Winnie the Pooh, if he did that, I don't know, I guess he did. Eat until satisfaction. You don't need to be like thinking about it at every bite, like, okay, so like, did I reach that point? Did I reach? There is a point, like you will notice this, when you're simply getting so full that the next bite is just not comfortable. Like it's, it's actually hurting more than it's making you happy. It's sometimes possible or actually quite often possible to ignore when this point comes if you're distracted. That's why the less distracted you are, the better. But you know, over time, hopefully you will get better even at noticing this point when you're somewhat distracted. But eat your meals to satisfaction don't try to like hack the system or don't try to be overly mathematical and like more scientific about this than there is a need for that. And it's going to work out really well. So I would say I will close the food side of things here and just a couple more things. Uh, obviously you want to prioritize your sleep. I won't be stressing you out over this. If you're sleeping like shit, I mean, how does that make you feel? If it makes you feel good, I mean, you know, by, by all means, keep doing that. If it makes you feel like shit, then, you know, work on it. Um, I talked about this before on the channel, won't go into it too much, but, you know, look into some smart supplement choices, easy ways to manage your circadian rhythm, work on it a bit, and it's going to benefit you. It doesn't have to be great, even if it's just not completely shit, but just kind of shit, that's a step forward. If then it's not kind of shit, but just like, meh, that's again a step forward, you know, and the better you get, the better it's gonna be. Next thing, Activity levels. Again, don't be completely neurotic about this. Don't make a rule like I cannot go to bed until I hit 10,000 steps every day. You don't want to do that. But I would say that as an average step count for the week, if you're getting at least 7,000, something around that, you're going to be doing well. If you're going as high as, you know, like 12,000, maybe 15,000, then whew, man, that's, that's amazing. Um, and it's probably going to benefit you, probably you're going to be healthier and maybe even leaner. I don't know about that for sure, because at that point your appetite might start to increase. I can tell you this, I never found any benefits over 15,000 and I found considerable downsides if I forced the issue. So I'm not saying you shouldn't go on hikes because you might get in more than 15,000 steps. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying like, don't try to make that the goal for every day, which if you don't hit, then you fail your goal that you should be getting in 17,000 steps. Because I think at that level, it's probably at the point where walking is kind of becoming another sport activity, which is great, but it's actually not going to benefit you leanness wise, possibly. That's my guess. At that point, I think it's increasing your appetite enough so that it's kind of undoing a lot of the benefits. But I think like up to like 12,000, maybe possibly 15,000, is going to be helpful. But be active, definitely don't be sedentary. I think anybody can get in 7,000 steps a day. For some people, it might take some extra effort because some people just have really busy jobs and a lot of like sitting commitment, but it should be doable for every person out there. 
And then of course, lastly, resistance train, workout, you know, lift weights. I don't think I have to tell that to any one of you, but you know, just in case. So at least three workouts a week. I mean, of course, you know, even one workout a week is better than no workouts, but you know, three to six, four to six is best in my opinion. Training volume, you know, I would say eight to 15 sets. Like, like that's going to be a range that is going to be appropriate for maybe even every one of you that are watching this. Um, I'm willing to guess that there is nobody watching this who could not progress at all on 15 sets a week because that's too low. And I would also guess that there is nobody amongst you for whom eight sets would be too much and they couldn't recover from that. So I think that's a really good range. You know, I would say most of my clients will be in between like nine and 12 sets, at least initially, you know, a lot of them will be cutting. Later on, it can be increased. But I think if you're doing that, I mean, you're doing a lot of amazing things. You're helping with nutrient partitioning, appetite control. And of course, because you're building muscle in the meantime, whatever body fat level, this template, the system that I outlined here would gravitate you to is just going to be enhanced by all of this because you're building muscle at the same time. So you don't have to get as lean in terms of absolute body fat levels to be at a certain body fat percentage, like let's say 14%. So yeah, guys, basically this is my blueprint. It's really this simple. If you do these things and you really do them, you don't overlook them or just kind of scoff like, ah, like these are so simple, so trivial, uninteresting. I think they could benefit you a lot. And these things could do a lot more to actually get you to your ideal body fat automatically, kind of naturally and quite effortlessly than any other kind of pre-calculated method. And again, it doesn't have to be the strategy for life. Like there will be a time when it might suit you much better to do purposeful cuts and bulks. And there I'm sure are a lot of people watching this who could do that right now and that would be the best way forward for them. So this is not the strategy for everybody, but for those of you who want to find what that spot is for you and you're kind of just burnt out on the very mechanical strategies for the time being, I think this could do wonders. So I really hope you dug this and I hope you will dig it going forward if you actually give it a go. Um, let us know how it went. I'm really curious to hear your stories. And this is pretty much uh, the thing that I've been doing myself. Like I did this, it benefited me so much. And uh, this is something I actually do quite a lot. Like when I'm really unsure, I'm not feeling my best mentally. I feel like, okay, maybe I'm a little bit overburdened. I just did a lot of cuts and uh, a lot of pre-calculated mechanical things just in the near past. And I feel like I should improve now, but I don't want to go down that route again. Then I always go back to something like this and it always works out really well. And that's why I actually keep preaching about simple things like this on this channel. But anyway, I will just shut up because I'm just rambling here. Uh, let me know what you thought. Please subscribe for more content like this. And of course, check out the video description for working together with me. If you want to coaching consultations, you find all the information on my website. And with that, I'm signing out.